0: Hello and welcome to Publications with the Blue Marble Space Institute of Science. I am your host, Brendan Mullen. Today's installment is brought to you by bears. That's right, that's bears, the alligators of the north. Today we're joined by Jacob hak a research scientist at the Blue Marble Space Institute of Science, one of my colleagues and, dare I say, dear friends. Thanks a lot, Brendan. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. Uh, This week, we're going to talk about a brand new publication from Jacob. It's called Funding the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence with a Lottery Bond. Wow. So this one was published uh, recently on Archive, uh, submitted to the Journal of uh, British Interplanetary uh, Society. This is not your your typical paper. It's
1: it's more of an idea for how could scientists, in maybe a non-traditional way, get some more funding for the research that needs to be done. Okay, so this
0: is this is definitely more of a, a proposal than, like, this is how I'm going to do it, guys.
1: That's right. This is a proposal for a funding idea.
0: Okay. Here you're talking about a novel approach to funding SETI, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. Why don't you walk us through how SETI is currently funded? What, what are the problems here? Because in my mind, I'm picturing, like, Jodie Foster from Contact, you know, trying to the, approach, like, these these, like, really... Crazy rich people who have That's awesome that's money.
1: exactly a good way to put it. So yeah, Jodie Foster in the movie Contact. Uh, there's a lot of scenes where she's in a field full of of radio telescope dishes that are, are all you know pointing at the heavens looking for alien signals. Um, that's not so far fetched from reality. There is uh, there are arrays like this in the um, in the world that exist. The Allen Telescope Array, as you may or may not know, in California is one of these. Um, the Allen Telescope Array I mentioned because it's the flagship facility for SETI. Um, the name comes from Paul Allen, who is a co-founder of Microsoft. He donated about half of the, you know, several millions of dollars that were necessary to construct this thing. Um, it is operational, but the problem is there's not enough money to keep it fund- uh, to keep it working all the time. Like you can basically turn it off for on for a little bit and then you run out of money. Yeah. You got to keep it off. They've subcontracted out to the military. The real problem is the only sources of money are big donations from private rich people or small grants from government
0: agencies. Mm-hmm. and. then you run the risk of having these crazy rich people be like, build your telescopes out of gold and have them point at the moon. They may
1: have their own demands. Um, I mean, I think Paul Allen has been very uh, supportive of this endeavor, but I think personally he wants to see his dollars being matched. He wants to know that if he's going to go out on a limb and supply SETI with this great technology, he wants the SETI Institute to go out and find other wealthy donors who are also going to match his funds, just so that he knows he's not in it by himself there's other individuals willing to invest in this as well
0: Mm.
1: said he has managed to get some money from other donors there are other people who've recently donated but that's that's kind of difficult to bank your whole scientific operation on the goodwill
0: of wealthy patrons and I think yeah. while
1: that's a good strategy I don't know that that should be the only strategy <laughs> Right.
0: will let them pat themselves on the back you get a yeah. tax
1: deduction but <laughs> yeah there, there's you don't make any money I mean really what started me thinking about this idea is if you give a grant to a scientist or if you give a donation to a scientist you feel good you get a tax write-off maybe, but you don't get any return on your investment. Mm. And anywhere else in the world, if, if I say I'm going to sell widgets and I want to start a widget company, will you invest in me? I take money from you as an investment with the expect, expectation that I'm going to pay you back probably with interest if I make a profit. SETI would be a great discovery, phenomenal, if we found there's extraterrestrial intelligence, but how is any investor going to get back the money they put into that discovery? They're not, it's, it's goodwill. And so I think that's one of the biggest problems with SETI. You cannot yeah.
0: actually invest in SETI. <laughs> so you're, you're depending on the charity and kindness of humanity, which is a little. That's exactly
1: right. Yeah. I mean, goodwill can only get you so far.
0: <laughs> um,
1: there are grants, but grants have very short time durations. Um, politics has shifted one way or the other to be in support of SETI, and then a few years later, they'll cut funding to SETI. So again, that's not a bad option to pursue government grants, and there's a few private grants. Um, but they're, they're very short durations of funding time and they're not always available. Mm. Um, so there's, there's very much a limit, a limit of funding that's available for the kind of long-term efforts needed to, to make SETI happen.
0: Okay, so what is, what is your uh, prize at the end of the tunnel then? What do you perceive happening? Let's say we, we find extraterrestrial intelligence and this new idea that you have for a SETI lottery bond, if, if I'm saying that. That's right. right. Yep, SLB, SETI lottery bond. So what happens, we discover extraterrestrial intelligence. What's this brand new idea that you bring to the table? So
1: my idea is to raise funds uh, by instead of appealing to donors, we can appeal to investors. And so we'll sell what I'm calling a SETI lottery bond it's a bond because it works just like a savings bond where you purchase um, you know, a share, it's a promissory note or a security technically, that um, you give them a principal amount of money, let's say $100, and then every year you're going to get a percentage of that back as interest. And so whatever that is, it's you know relatively low amount, but that type of savings product is um, you know, savings bond. You might have it for 10 years, 50 years. Um, if it's an infinite time horizon, it's called an annuity, which is where you pay a certain amount and then you mm-hmm. never get that principal back, but every year you get a small period of uh, a small amount of interest back on that. So it's kind of like buying uh, an object that pays a, an income every year, so to speak, in a little bit of way. So it's like an asset; it's a, it's a financial product
0: that generates revenue for you. And you can hand it down generations. You can hand it down how generations. Long it takes. That's right. Yeah.
1: That's right. So for for SETI. Um, most, most bonds that people are familiar of are like a US government bond or a savings bond or something like that, a treasury bond, where you have 20 years between when you purchase the bond for 30 bucks, 20 years later, you actually get $50 when you cash it in. So you're happy you made a profit. Um, the government, in the meanwhile, had your 30 bucks to work with to fund infrastructure, military, whatever they wanted. So everybody got something out of that. With SETI... It's such a long horizon, we don't know how long it's going to take. It could take 10 years of surging, 100 years, or even 1,000 years before we actually find an extraterrestrial intelligence signal. So the bond can't have a fixed duration. We can't say that this is going to pay out after 100 years, because that might not be enough time for SETI to succeed. So the bond actually is kind of indefinite. It just lasts all the way until SETI actually makes its first discovery. Mm. Uh, At that point, you'll get your money back and there'll be a lottery drawing so once SETI says hey we made our first discovery all the scientists in the world you know come to some sort of consensus that yes this really is a discovery so then what happens is a certain number of the shares let's say there's a million shares sold maybe 10,000 of them or 1,000 of them will randomly be selected to win a lottery prize and so there will be in the meantime while the search is going on some of the proceeds will be invested into a pool forming a lottery and once we make this discovery um, a small number of people who've invested in this will get more than just their principal back, they'll actually get a very large sum of money Wow! Um, and so the idea is how, how can you we... incentivize SETI so that people personally, you know, more than just the altruistic idea of discovering extraterrestrials, they can actually profit off of this. <laughs>
0: yes, you too can make a, hand, a handy profit off of science. What kind of profit are we talking about here? Let's say, you know, you sell these shares for $100 a piece and you have to search for 100 years or so, maybe more. And you've been, you've been selling these shares this whole time, and suddenly you discover extraterrestrial intelligence. Someone is a big winner. How much do they stand to win, do you think? Well, a
1: lot. Um, now this, of course, depends on how many tickets you sell. Any lottery, like Powerball, any, any national or state lottery, um, it's almost always a function of the number of tickets sold. So if not many people are interested in it, the, the prize pool's not going to be as high. If a lot of people are interested in it, the prize pool is going to grow um, to, to, you know, pretty enormously. Uh, it also depends on how many winners you allow. Um, it could just be one winner if you really wanted it to. I think you'd create a bigger incentive by having a small number of winners, but you know, if out of a million people, if a thousand people won, that's, that's a pretty small odds of winning, but it's still a thousand people out of a million are going to walk away happy from that. Or their grandchildren will. Or their grandchildren yeah. or great-great-grandchildren, or, or you know, which is more likely the case. Um, but what we're talking orders of magnitude more than your principal. So if you buy a ticket for $100, your lottery prize is going to be orders of magnitude more than the $100
0: you spent. Wow! So if you buy a share, your uh, great-grandchildren could be millionaires. They could and be million- millionaires even, billionaires, potentially, yeah. yeah. Goodness. It depends
1: how long the search takes, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: One thing that surprised me in reading this paper was that this is not... Uh, it's a new... Um, context for this unique financial product but it's not a new concept these these lottery bonds have existed before that that's right? right they've actually have uh, quite a long historical precedent
1: some nations in europe have issued them as, as long as like the 1600s i think you know four three to four hundred years ago um, these were used in scandinavia um, uh, in the uk in britain they have actually existing bonds now that are lottery bonds where um, every month there's a drawing for prizes Uh, And a lot of third world countries, a lot of developing nations will actually use lottery bonds, mostly because there are not a lot of savings products available and a lot of people are not used to, banking systems and not used to saving money. So a lottery bond in some nations is actually an incentive to pull people away from uh, pure gambling and into more of a savings type product where they still have the thrill of like, I'm, I'm investing money, and maybe I'll win a new car, or maybe I'll win $10,000 or something like that, but they don't lose the money they put into it, whereas mm-hmm. in a lottery ticket, it's just a loss. So, um, yeah, there's, there's been success
0: in using lottery bonds in both developed and developing nations. And I'm assuming that there's going to be some oversight, so I, as a study scientist, can't be like well if I say there's aliens I stand to profit immensely.
1: Right. So I mean this is a financial product managed you know by a bank or, or an investment firm. But there would need to be a, a scientific governance board to accompany this product because how do you determine when the discovery of extraterrestrials has occurred? That's one issue. Then the second one is how do you prevent insider trading? I mean that happens with any corporation um, and any any trading board in the world is going to monitor against insider trading. Yeah, I would totally do it. I have no scruples. I'm sure a lot of scientists would uh, at least think about the conflict of interest. But, um, <laughs> so no, I think you should definitely have a provision that if you're receiving funds from the SETRI- SETI lottery bond, if that's helping to fund your research, you should probably be prohibited from investing in the fund. That just seems to me to be a very obvious conflict of interest. I mean, the other problem is that, yeah, maybe a SETI scientist goes and buys a lot of bonds and then you try to falsely claim that the discovery of extraterrestrials has been made so that, you know, the lottery will commence. Um, that's why you would need a scientific governance board again so that they can establish when has this discovery occurred, when can we consider this, it's scientific consensus, because that's really what we're looking for. It's not the job of the bond or the government's board to decide when we've Made that discovery, it's only their job to close the market and decide when mm-hmm. scientific consensus has been reached. Wow, okay. um, so, yeah, if, if some guy says we've discovered aliens and it's not at all considered to be broad scientific consensus, then the market continues. Mm. Um, so, I mean, we're really looking at this from, from a scientific perspective. There's plenty of people who think ancient aliens have landed, UFOs <laughs> and stuff. So, <laughs> plenty of this TV is when, when, when do we reach scientific consensus on the existence of extraterrestrial intelligence? That's when the lottery bond market would end.
0: Are we going to issue a, a plea out there for everyone else in America? Anyone to start up a new campaign on Kickstarter to get this thing in action? What are we going to do?
1: I would love to get this going. Uh, we're starting to get some good press just as of yesterday. Um, so I'm kind of... Better press than this? this is the best not best best better than this yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm hoping to attract some attention from um, yeah investment firms maybe, maybe some banks. Um, I would love to turn this into a real product. And I think there's reasons that I picked SETI in particular, mainly because we don't know how long SETI is going to take uh, to succeed. And because we don't really know what the rewards will be with SETI. So that's kind of why this whole Lottery Bond is focused around SETI. But you could use a similar idea to fund the next giant particle accelerator to test string theory. You could use it to fund the eventual development of a starship to send humans to another stellar system. I mean, the idea of using a financial product like this to, to fund science could, in fact, reach beyond just SETI. Um, but I think it actually is the strongest sell for SETI just because SETI has so many unknowns within it. I kind of wanted to think, could you create a financial product that has the same unknowns in, a, in an analogous sense as SETI? And can we let investors sort of um, you know, enjoy the same level of uncertainty that the SETI
0: scientists currently are? And so that's where I ended up with the SETI Lottery Bond idea. Yeah, and there you have it. Well, I think that'll do it for us today. Joining me in the studio has been Jacob Hawk misra Thank you for joining us today, Jacob. Thanks a lot, Brendan. All right, so that's it for publications with the Blue Marble Space Institute of Science. I've been your host, Brendan Mullen. Until next time, kiddos, stay curious.